Good morning. You're tuned in to Lighthouse Fellowship, and we're glad that you're here with us today. And, and we have a live audience here, but we also we are going to share from the Word of God. We're going to share our lives together. I wanted to mention to you as you tune in to our live streaming, streaming each a week, actually a half an hour before we start. We start at 11 o'clock, but you can tune in at, at 10 o'clock. Uh, uh, Edward Robinson it posts the scriptures and also other things, but you can also post comments and also questions that you may have, and we will try to answer those questions each week and also address any particular uh, words that you have. And so if you would, uh, you know, certainly give those to us, and we would uh, welcome them. And also any prayer requests that you may have that we can pray. We believe in prayer, and we believe that God answers prayer. And so if you'd like to do that, if you post those, uh, we will welcome that, and we will share that. We believe in miracles. And God is doing miracles today. And so in spite of what we see happening all around the world, we know that uh, God is right there with us and our God is in control. So uh, I'm glad that you have joined us this morning. We're all just glad. And also we pray the word of God would go forth to all the nations that they would know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. It's a day we can come together in the name of Jesus. We can gather in your name. And we pray today for these that are here in the church. And we also pray for those that are joining us on the live streaming. We ask you, Father, today that they would be aware of your presence. They would feel your presence. And they would know that you are there with them. And dear God, today we just pray, whatever the issue may be, maybe healing or deliverance or maybe salvation. Someone here maybe has not received Jesus Christ in their life as the Lord and Savior, today might be the day that they say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. I want to know you as my Savior and my Lord. And Father, we just ask you that you would touch people's hearts all over the world through this live streaming. We believe in great things, Father, that you're doing in and through the broadcast of the Word of God, the Word of truth, dear God, and that you, Lord, would speak And let us get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power. And we ask you to come, Holy Spirit, come and manifest your presence in our midst. Manifest your presence where people are watching this today. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal Jesus Christ to our hearts. He is Lord and he's Lord over all. And so, Lord, we ask you to speak to us. We ask you, Father, today that you would just completely eradicate this coronavirus. We pray against that in the name of Jesus and ask that you would release, Lord, uh, health and strength and power in people's lives. We pray for healing for those who have contracted this coronavirus. We pray for covering and plead the blood of Jesus around those who are dealing with this on a regular basis. And also, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus all over this nation and all over this world that it would protect us from these deadly pestilences. We pray that today in Jesus' name. We pray, Father, in the midst of uh, these uncertainties and and the chaos that we see and the things of destruction, we pray, Father, today to enter in and, and, Lord, touch people's hearts and, and reveal Jesus, Lord. Jesus said that he is our peace and that they would have peace in their hearts, dear Lord, and confidence in God that you're a God of justice. And dear Lord, today we know that you're in control and that you will work these things out. And we go to our prayer closet and we pray and we plead with you today, dear God, that you would come and you would continue 
just to take that unrest away and give people the reality of knowing there is a God of love. We thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, today we know that we need a heart change. And you're the only one that can do that. Jesus, you're the only one that can change our hearts. And so, Lord, today we ask you to change our hearts, oh God. And dear Lord, lead us into those paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you, Father, for your presence and your love. And it's in the precious and holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 We're going to look at Matthew chapter 9. We looked at it last week. And I want to share again some of the things. How do you position yourself to receive the new wine? How do you position yourself to put off that old wineskins and to truly be able to receive the new wine that Jesus is pouring out today? And I believe that today. I'm believing for revival. I'm believing for an awakening that will take place across this land because Jesus Christ is the only answer. He's the only hope that we have. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. And so how do we position ourselves to be able to receive of the Holy Spirit? I want to mention to you several things over the next couple of weeks. And, and those of you next week, of course, is Father's Day and wishing all of you a happy Father's Day. Also, have importance of fathers you know, in the home and also in society, uh, in the marketplace, and all around the world. And so we look forward to that time also. In reading from Matthew chapter 9, verse uh, 14 through 17, follow with me in your word here, and it's on the screen. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, and making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Obviously, very, very important. You see, last week, we, we saw where Jesus came in, and he sort of up, upset the Pharisees' apple cart. He began to tear down the man-made traditions that had uh, obviously come in and, and uh, the rules that had taken place. In fact, there were so many rules that even the Pharisees, they, they knew they couldn't keep them. They made rules. And, and so they, they believed their religion had been made into a lot of rules. And you and I both know that, obviously, you can't keep rules. And I've always said, if you're walking along and, and you see a, a fence, one of your privacy fences, and it has a hole in it, and if you tell somebody, don't look in that hole, what are they going to do? They're going to go look in it. And so we make religion out a bunch of rules and regulations, a bunch of what? Do's and don'ts. There's a whole list of do's and don'ts and so forth. And so Jesus began to tear these things down. And he began to talk about what life was all about. And when he talks about these, this new wine that he was pouring out. But he said this very importantly. He said the old wineskins, the old way of doing things, could not hold the new way of what he was saying. The new light and power of the gospel. The new outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God, which we talked about here a couple weeks ago. As God poured his spirit out upon the world. He said these new old wineskins just can't hold it. it they break and they'll, they'll, the wine will come out, they'll burst and, and the new wine will be lost in that. And obviously heading up to 70 A.D., we know what happened there 
when the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem and, and so forth. So he knew and he foresaw what was happening. And he said if they refused to change, their old wineskins would explode and be useless there. And a lot of times we as church people, church folk, been in church, we just don't want to change. We don't, we don't want to do anything differently because sometimes it feels uncomfortable. Sometimes it's, it's like, I just don't want to do it. I'm comfortable, got my ticket to heaven, ready to go anytime that the, the train going to heaven shows up. And yet God is saying, I want to use you. You have purpose in my kingdom today. And so the old system we know at that time exploded. And for many religious Jews, the new wine was also lost. But for those who changed, who put on new wineskins, they received a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. They received the times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And I know I want the times of refreshing, and I know you do also. I want that time. I want that because life gets dry. And I mentioned last week that, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> preaching the gospel, as Chuck Swindoll said, that if you, you preach it and it's boring, then it's a sin. You know, the gospel is exciting. The gospel, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power unto God for all, for salvation for all who will believe. He said, I'm not ashamed of it. It's power in the gospel. There's power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. But a lot of times, we're not ready. We're just, you know, kind of, we're hunkered down. Just like we've been in our homes many times because of this virus. We kind of like stay in the same place. I don't want to stay in the same place. I want to be more like Jesus. And when God pours out His new wine upon us, we've got to be willing to, to change here. You know, this outpouring of God's Spirit, it changed individuals and it changed communities like never before. In fact, we're still feeling the effects of it. In fact, you and I are recipients of that outpouring back over 2,000 years ago as God poured out His Spirit here upon the world. To go into all, He says, you'll receive power and you'll be witnesses into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria into the uttermost parts of the world. And today, I believe people are hearing the gospel I believe every day people are hearing the gospel, even in some of the most desperate places that you could imagine today. You know, some years ago, they said there was a focus upon what's called the 1040 window, a place where the gospel had not reached in that particular time. And so there were people that went into that area, people even now preaching the gospel. You know, when the Bible talks about when, when the gospel is heard and preached to all peoples, then the end will come, Jesus talks about. And I believe today, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel with people, that new, new wine of the gospel of what Jesus came to give, to give life and give it more abundantly, is being done even as we speak. I can remember there in the Amazon in South America, there, uh, so wonderful a story that I'll never forget. I was so touched and actually had the privilege of, of going down there several years ago where Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and others went into that area that, that, that were just the aborigines, those who never heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they went in there to share about Jesus and so forth. And if you remember the story there in the late 50s that actually they were martyred there, the uh, people there, the Indians, uh, they, uh, they martyred and killed those missionaries that had gone down there. But what happened as a result of that was the fact that many missionaries from all over the world then flooded the Amazon and went down there and preached the gospel. And many of those that were there that would never have heard of the gospel now are born again believers. Hallelujah. 
And that's what it's all about today. We're talking about that new wine that's being poured out. That people would come into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, if you look at his life, he was 100% sold out to, obviously, to honor that new wine and to preach about that new wine being poured out during his day there. Paul never wavered in his battle against the old ways of dead religion with no spirit. I want the spirit to come. That's why I invite. He's here now. But I open and I, I verbally ask him. I open my heart to him, and I know you do also. Lord, we need life today. We need your life. And it comes by the Spirit of the Lord. And so Paul, he was always preaching against that dead religion that had gone on. And it just didn't have any life today. I think we need life today. Come back into churches today. Come back into the church house and move in a powerful way. You see, it's very obvious as you study Paul's life that his ability to persevere, adapt, and change, and press forward with the gospel came because of why? Because of his prayer life. That's how he did it. The Apostle Paul went through some really tough times when, when he was here preaching the gospel, and he actually penned over a third of the New Testament. Greatest apostle that ever lived. But listen about his life, he says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. I, I and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already obtained. Paul, the greatest apostle, he said, I have one reason for living, and that is sharing the love of Jesus, sharing about the gospel, the gospel of salvation. And so as we look at Paul's life, how did he persevere through these trials? Let me mention a couple trials here when we look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 21 through 33. He said, what anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in an open sea and have consistently been on the move. 
I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I've faced daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and, and I do not feel weak? Who is, who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? You see, Paul knew the key for persevering through hardship and it was prayer. You heard that? Anybody here gone through what Paul's gone through? <laughs> I haven't. You're talking about somebody was sold out. I'd say it's 100% sold out, right? He'd gone through all of those things today. And you know, we don't even really get a smidgen of that, to be honest with you, because we live in pretty luxurious places compared to how he lived back then and what he went through back then. And what this does, it speaks to me today to say, I can go through this. I can persevere through this. And so the Apostle Paul was able to persevere through this. Why? Because of his prayer life. And it was prayer. And it was his ability to push through to victory without giving up on Jesus Christ and the gospel. The word PUSH. Acronym. P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. And you see, that's what God compared to how to he today. lived back God then and what he went through back then. And you share S8. Pray until something pray happens until, until you see something, something happening happens. today. We've many pray times, I believe, until something happens. And you see, that's what God compared to how he lived back then and what he went through back then. You you share S8. Pray until something... I want to address that today. And whenever I talk to you, anytime I preach a sermon, it is not just to have more head knowledge or more knowledge. Nothing wrong with that. I preach so something down the Spirit of God will stir in your life to cause you to pray more and more deeply and earnestly, consistently. That's my purpose for being here today. That the Spirit of God would do something in your life and my life. Because when I preach, I normally preach to myself. I'm speaking to myself. And so not just that we can listen to a good story, and we're going to hear one in just a moment, but that God would stir in your heart and the church's heart to pray. To pray until something happens. Because you see today, God has left the church here, you and I, the body of Christ. He's put us together so that we somehow can share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be aware that it's God and God alone that people need, you see. It's not about another handout. It's not about things being done here, even no matter what. Because you see, God is the ultimate gift. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Everything that we have that's good comes from our Father. And He gives that amply and abundantly. But yet we see today many people are not aware of where there's real, real freedom. And it's only through the gospel. So you and I have got to pray until something happens. You remember some time ago that I felt like the Lord spoke to me about revival. And, and I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, you're in revival. And the breakthroughs are coming. And so when I heard that, it encouraged me. It was, a, it was like a, 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 
momentous moment that I was pushed forward to be able to keep on keeping on. And so how should I take that word? You know, when God really puts something on your heart to do, what does he put that on your heart for you to do? What's he telling you to do? Pray. And so I could have sit back and said, man, this is great, Lord. I've heard from you, and this is what you're going to do. I could have sit back and done nothing. But what God does is when He speaks to our hearts through the Word of God, and in our heart of hearts, He gives that to us so we can pray. That we can lift it up, and we can bring it before Him. He said, if you'll pray, then these things will come to pass. It's very important to understand. You see, when you push through in prayer, there are breakthroughs that come. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, pray continually. <laughs> pray continually. We talked about that here. In Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the Spirit in all, all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. He's just talking about prayer. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, every time, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Whatever it may be that God puts on your heart, pray about it. Go to the Lord with it. You know, I don't believe sometimes that God always is into quick fixes either. I don't know about y'all. But sometimes I've seen instantaneous answers to prayer. But a lot of times that's not the way that he does it. I love the miracles when it happens right away. But you see, even if you've pressed through, even if you have, have prayed and you've seen the breakthrough, even if you keep on and so forth, it's a miracle, right? It's a miracle. Any relationship that you have, obviously, takes work. The work of prayer enables us to know God and his ways. Isn't that good? You want to know God's ways? Pray. Takes work. And prayer is work. Prayer is work. Because when you, you are just grinding and you're like, almost like just passionate about something, when God burdens it, maybe family members that don't know Jesus, maybe uh, neighbors that don't know Jesus, maybe it's like you're saying, I need to be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. And you're crying out to God. And one way or another, it takes work, doesn't it? And to know His ways, it takes prayer. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christianity is the only religion, certainly if you call it that, that there's a relationship involved. It's a relationship with God Almighty. We're pray until something happens here. That work. In Psalm 103.7, it says, He made known His ways to Moses. And his acts to the children of Israel. Why did Moses keep his ways? Why? Think about it. Moses, remember there, he led the Israelites out of the, out of the bondage in Egypt and so forth. He was God's man. Remember? God, you know, showed up at the burning bush. Y'all know the Ten Commandments and all. And all is because God, Moses had a heart for prayer. And because Moses asked God in prayer to show him his ways. To show you ways. In, in Exodus chapter 33, if you are pleased with me, listen, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. That's what he did. He went to God in prayer. And he said, teach me your ways. The Bible says, show me your ways and teach me your paths and lead me into the way everlasting. We ask God, show me who you are. Show me your glory, even Moses asked him. And he'd been in the presence of a manifest, the power of God. And yet Moses came and he still wanted to say, Lord, show me, show me your glory. Remember, he was leading the children of Israel there out of that captivity. And they were mumbling and grumbling and, 
and they didn't like murmuring. They didn't like what he was doing, and yet he was delivering them. And this is symbolic of Jesus delivering us from our sin. He's the only one that can deliver us. Symbolic of coming out of our Egypt, our bondage. Jesus delivers us. We should be thankful. We should pray like we've never prayed before because so many people around us, I know right now if I would ask each person here and each one of you think about how many people that have never ever received Jesus, they don't know Jesus. They've never asked, Lord, I want to know you and I want to know your ways that you'll have favor with me. Many people today, you could, you could keep right on. We could write name after name after name after name after name. There are a lot of people you can pray for, and I want to encourage you to pray for them, certainly. Martin Luther, the head, the one that started the, the uh, Protestant Ref- Reformation, remember, there, he said this, Prayer is the most important thing in my life, and if I should neglect prayer for a single day, I would lose a great deal of the fire of faith. He just said one day, that's why we got to pray. It's work. It takes time. But we make time for everything else. I make a lot of time to eat. Right? Couldn't I just cut off a few minutes of time when I'm there at the table or maybe in preparation or thinking about what I'm going to eat and so forth that I can spend in prayer? Even that, and I know that's a simple illustration. But I spend a lot of time. Can I cut the TV off? Spend a little bit of time in prayer with the Lord. Whatever it may be, as God calls you, we need to pray, church, like we never prayed before, you see. Remember the pioneers. I love the story of the pioneers. When they crossed this country, and they went over into the Dakotas, and then they were going into Oregon, into California. Remember, they pressed in. They, they, they went through all types of hardships, you know. I came here... And in a 2017 red Honda, or actually a Camry today, and sometimes in a Honda, and I was comfortable in air conditioning and so forth. Think about the pioneers who established this country, and they went across this land. What was it that kept them going? It's because they had a determination, right? I mean, they, they, they wanted to get over there. You see, they had a hope, a hope. There would be a better life for them out there. Whatever reason, they had a hope today. You and I have the greatest hope, certainty, that we are children of the, of the king, and one day he's coming back again. And it may be sooner than what we think. And so we have a hope. We should persevere in prayer for people who are totally lost, and they don't know Jesus today. They have some form of religion. They have some form of a belief system, but they don't have life. Because they neglected receiving Jesus, receiving the Spirit of God into their lives. And we need to pray. We need to pray like we never have before. You see, the Word of God exhorts us, even charges us to pray through the trials and the tribulations of life. We pray until something happens. Amen? We pray until something happens. Let me tell you and show you the power of prayer in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. You want to see the power of prayer? Just praying. Talking about Herod here. And we'll look at verses uh, 1 through 19. In verse 1, it was about this time that King Herod, the king at that time, arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. 
Now he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. But when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison. As he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. And so Peter was kept in prison. But the church, listen, was earnestly praying to God for him. And the night before Herod was was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And, And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. And then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. And they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. And with this it dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and they were praying for Peter. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door and when she recognized Peter's voice she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed Peter is at the door and the people said you're out of, you're out of your mind they told her and when she kept insisting that it was so they said it must be his angel Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said. And then he left for another place. Power of prayer. What were they doing? They were praying. They were praying earnestly. Now, you say, yeah, Jim, but this is a biblical story. You see, the book of Acts is for us today. We can see the power of God released. It's more powerful as we pray in this church today with these that we have here in this church today than we would ever, ever imagine today if you and I will pray and ask God to do these things. You watch what happens. This is what's going on today. You see, breakthrough prayer leads to revival and freedom in the Spirit. That's what happens. We want revival. Breakthrough prayer. They were praying earnestly there. James is killed by Herod, mean guy. And then he takes Peter and puts him because what they wanted to do was stop the spread of the gospel. There is a move to stop the spread of the gospel today, trust me. There is opposition even in this country today if you want to share your faith in public. As long as you keep your religion, your faith to yourself, then everything is fine. But you start talking about Jesus around in the public square and let me tell you, everything breaks loose today. There is persecution in this church today. And the power that we have is power in prayer today to pray and see these doors open just like they did for Peter. You see, that's what's happening today. And Herod was a, he was a mean dude. 
And these people were, were committing, he, they, they were clapping and saying, man, Herod's killed these guys. We didn't like them to begin with. Let's get rid of them and so forth. And so we see they were actually, they, were, they wanted these people killed. They wanted to do away with them. And see, what could have, what's their choices? They could have quit and said, this is too tough. This is too much, you know. They've already killed James and they put Peter in jail. But what did they do? They could have stormed Herod's palace, couldn't they? They could have demonstrated on the streets. And, and I'm not against. I believe it's our, our freedom to be able to do that too. But let me tell you what they did. And maybe it will be an example for us today. And that is they prayed. They all got together and they prayed today. And only God can stir that spirit of prayer in you and I. Because why? It's because obviously... This one man, he says it like this. From birth, we have been learning the rules of self-reliance as we strain and struggle to achieve self-sufficiency. Prayer flies in the face of those deep-seated values. It's an assault on human autonomy, an indictment of independent living. To people in the fast lane determined to make it on their own, prayer is an embarrassing interruption. Prayer is alien to our proud human nature. And yet somewhere, someplace, probably all of us reach the point of falling on our knees, bowing our heads, fixing our attention on God and praying. We may look both ways to make sure nobody's watching. But we may blush. But in spite of the forgiveness of the activity, we pray, you see. We've learned from birth. We've got to be independent. I don't need anybody. What are you talking about this prayer stuff? You know, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And what is that ac- a- a- an acronym? Push or pray until something happens. You keep on praying. You don't give up praying. You don't give up praying. In Jeremiah 14, it actually says, when we get to a certain point, God will say, stop praying. Your prayers are not being heard. But I haven't heard that yet for this country. And I haven't heard this for my, about my neighbor. And I haven't heard it about the church today. God is saying, pray like we've never prayed before. And only God's Spirit can do that. Abraham Lincoln, he wrote this. I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient of the day. How many of you feel that way? There are too many things going on. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I can do to enter into that. And so what do I, should I do? I should pray. You should pray. Today, life is too complicated. Have y'all figured that out yet? It's too complicated. And the only way we can get through it is pray. Pray like we never had before, church, today. You see, in verse 5, we're told the church is earnestly, diligently praying. They're crying out in anguish to the Lord. Help us. Or, you know, well, Peter's getting ready to be slain. They couldn't come looking for us. You see. There's something about anarchy. We think somehow they're trying to get a point across, you see. But what it does when there's anarchy, it actually is treading upon my freedom and your freedom. And eventually you say, yeah, but it's somewhere else. You see, it's coming to a town near us also. If we don't pray until God is stay the enemy's hand in these people's lives and release the Spirit to move, to share the love of Jesus Christ with other people, coming to a town right near us. They were passionate and determining. They were pushing through there. Herod was a bad dude. You know, he, he had done these things there. And, and the, the church knew where the power of God was. They knew there. 
It comes from and is unleashed by prayer. Breakthrough prayer leads to miracles. When we pray earnestly, don't be too surprised when God does a miracle. He still does miracles, amen? He still does miracles. I love this part in Peter's jailbreak, remember? They're praying for a miracle for Peter's release, but it surprised them. Rhoda went there to the door, saw Peter, and yet she probably in her mind is like, I, I don't believe this. And so she didn't even let him in. She didn't welcome him in at that time. It was kind of like she was delusional about that. Did this really happen? Did our prayers really make this much difference? You and I can make a difference in our society today. Prayer brings the miracles. He does it this day. You know, I've come to the conclusion in over 35 years of ministry, some people in the church are afraid of the results of breakthrough prayer. What's God going to do? It's going to be different? I mean, you're talking about this new wine, Jim. You're talking about we've got to have new wineskins. It's going to be different from what I've had before. We've got to change. And I mentioned reaching young people with the gospel today. And I mentioned the fact, because I can understand this, is that they speak with a different language. It's like you have to listen to them. You have to get in on what they're doing. You have to, you have to, we're not the same. I'm not 18 anymore. I'm not 16 anymore. We've got to change today, church. It takes prayer to be able to do that. God answered prayer. No, yes, or wait here. Supernatural, because you see, some people don't want miracles because their theology says, no, that was all done away with after the church was established. They don't need miracles anymore. I don't know about you, I need a miracle. I need miracles today. And I see it today happening. Some don't want miracles because they fear that they could lose control and they'll have to do things God's way. Some people don't want miracles because they realize that they'll have to give up their man-made plans and do what God wants them to do. They don't believe in it. They don't believe that God can supernaturally. We think of God as just a natural God, you see. And somehow we don't realize He's a supernatural God. In Isaiah 55, He said, My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. They're much higher than your ways and much higher than your thoughts. I'm God Almighty, and He can do it. And what unleashes the power to be able to get these miracles happen, to be able to bring this country back under a sense of semblance and peace? Prayer. Your prayers, my prayer. We can make a difference today. You need to really pray like we never had before, you see. A lot of people don't want miracles because they, they don't want jailbreaks. Why? It's because a lot of ex-cons will come into church. Y'all know what I'm saying? Jailbreaks are when people get free. That's when the bondages break off of people. We don't want people coming in, mess up our thing. We want things as they are. And there's new wine being poured out. And there has to be new wine skin. God is doing this, you see. The angel came and opened the door. Angels still exist today. Maybe you haven't been taught that angels still exist today. You don't worship angels. You worship God. But they're still dispatched by the Lord to do His bidding. They're still. Probably we've been protected more by angels than you would ever realize. And I've told you the people, I've only known one or two people that have seen an angel. They're awesome. They're huge. Beautiful. And they're powerful. And they are messengers. 
they went, and obviously the chains fell off of Peter. They have that supernatural ability that comes from God, and they do exactly what God tells them to do. We need a move of God here, you see. So what did the early church receive for its efforts in prayer? You see, Herod never got his man. Why? It's because the church prayed. Herod was dealt with with God. You can read the rest of it and find out what happened to Herod. It wasn't good. Why? It's because the church prayed. The gospel kept being presented. Why? The church prayed. They experienced miracles. Why? The church prayed. People kept getting saved. Why? The church prayed. People continued to be amazed and saved. Why? Because the church prayed. And the true life story is in the Bible. Why? It's because the church prayed. The church prayed. You see... They learn not to preach people out or sing people out, but to pray them out of bondage by their prayers, you see. There are some practical ways to pray. I want to mention this, and we'll um, look at it a little bit. Do prayer walks. I think here in the neighborhood, they do prayer walks around, around this area here. Do prayer walks. Do prayer walks around schools. Do prayer walks wherever God puts you. When you stop at a stoplight, pray. Keep in mind. Keep it focused. It's, it's a discipline, right? Because I slip out of it. But I keep coming back. I don't give up. Pray for people that come up. When someone asks you for prayer, don't say, I'll just pray for you. Pray for them right then. Just like what we did just a while ago. Pray for them right then. I need, can you pray for me? Okay, I'll pray for you. Then we're off on our own. No, pray for them right then. All of us are equipped to pray. And there's power in least in that person's life and in their atmosphere and in their particular situation when people pray. Make your prayer list. Go through. Pray for everybody. Pray for people here. Pray for people in your family. Name them, name, name them by, by name. You don't have to explain to God all the things about it and the details. Just t- mention them by name. In Thessalonians, it talks about that. Pray while you write worship. Pray while you read books. Set a time, aside a time for to pray and to make it fun, not boring. There are many types of prayers. We know petition, intercession. Uh, we pray for ourselves. It's not wrong to pray for yourself. I pray for myself every day. I pray for my family every day. I pray for the church every day. I pray for all these things every day. We need to pray because obviously our future depends on it and the future of this country. Why do we need to pray? Because we have enemies, and their strategy is destroy the church. The enemy is focused on destroying the church. Because the spread of the gospel will continue as long as the church prays. And because people will find Jesus and get saved as long as the church prays. And because there will be jailbreaks, and there will be a lot of ex-cons around, okay? People to get free. The chains in their life will fall off of them and they'll get free, you see. Because there'll be testimonies about God's power and encouragement. Because people will get encouraged to push through to pray. Because if we stop praying through, then the church will float aimlessly like a ship without power on a wind tossed by every wave and everything going this way, going that way. And we need direction. Jim Cimbala, 
he was a pastor at Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City for a while. He wrote this book, Fresh Power. And let me read what he says, and we'll close with that. There are players, listen, and watchers in the church. He states, but just as there are people who watch from the bleachers and never know the challenge of competing on the court, we have millions of churchgoers who sit in pews every week without ever entering the game. They sacrifice nothing, strain towards no ministry goals, never agonize in prayer for one soul, but pass judgment on how well the contest of faith is being played. And often they act as if they know. It looks easy from where they're sitting, but then again, they have never really attempted much for God. The issue with the Western church is the Western church have been good hearers of the word, but they've been terrible doers of the word. God calls us to be doers of the word. When he says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And you can look at the Gospels and what he commanded his disciples to do is what we're to do. Preach the Gospels, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, and he even goes as far as saying raise the dead. As God directs, as his power. But there are many people who are still sitting in the bleachers watching, observing, and they never enter the game. I believe that we're entering the game, right? I don't want to sit in the bleachers. I know at times I feel like that I've got one foot in the bleachers and one foot down here kind of ministering. I want to be like the Apostle Paul. He was 100% sold out. He said, I consider everything else as rubbish except for the surpassing knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's your desire today, I want you to bow your heads if you would, please. And those of you who are watching, if there's a particular need today, or maybe the Word of God has spoken to you and the Spirit is tugging at your heartstrings and you feel like, I've done nothing, and I've never, ever, I've heard the Word, but I've not acted upon the Word. I want you, obviously, along with us today, to pray that we would be doers of the Word. So make disciples. Then just say to make converts, although conversion is there. To make disciples. We're to be disciples teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So, Father, today, we come before you and we offer ourselves to you in fresh consecration, being set apart for your use and your use alone. We pray that you would do, Lord, whatever it takes that we would be sold out for Jesus. Amen. We would be sold out and there would be no other. And dear Lord, today, those things that have usurped your place, your first place in our lives, Lord, we ask you to remove them. Those idols of the world that slip in so easily. And we ask you, Lord, today to take them away. To remove them. And we ask you, Lord, for a fresh outpouring of your spirit. We're asking, Lord, today that as we 
present to you today those new wineskins and believing that we want to be changed. We want to be changed and we want to change. To be flexible with what you're doing in the earth today, sharing the good news of the gospel, of the word of God, that we may receive that new wine that's being poured out. And so, Father, today, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and touch us. Reveal Jesus to our hearts. We ask you, Lord, today for a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. A fresh baptism with the Holy Spirit. We pray that today. And for those who are watching today, we pray that they would, they would give their lives to you as a fresh consecration. And, and consecrate means to set apart. And we're saying, in this case, to set our hearts apart for God and God alone. Nothing would take the place of Jesus in our lives. Lord, when we begin to drift and we go and we're just barreling through life, we ask you by your spirit, Lord, to tug at our heartstrings that we'll come back and be reminded. And dear Lord, today I ask, Lord, today that you would impart to this church and to those listening a greater desire to pray, a greater desire to intercede and to, to agonize in prayer, Lord, for our country, for our, for our neighbors, for our families, for our churches, dear Lord. Because, Lord, we need you desperately. We need your presence. And we need you to come and touch us, dear God. We thank you and praise you. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for your presence with people watching all over. May Jesus be glorified. May Jesus be honored. It's in his precious and holy name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for your attention today. And thank you as we've joined together. God is doing some great things. Get in on board what he's doing. I believe that. Join us next week, same time. You can tune in about 1030 if you have any questions. concerns or prayer requests or comments or whatever if you post those at that time and we'll get that we'll begin to to share and those things that you would like for us to share you can put on there just the confidentiality or whatever we won't use last names but we will pray for you and anything we can do to help our prayers are with you today may god uh, add blessings we pray the priestly blessing lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And all of God's people said, amen. Have a great week. Amen.